Welcome to MHM Podcast Network on MovieHouseMemories.com. Podcast for pod people. Our feature presentation begins now. You're listening to Lunchtime Movie Review from LunchtimeMovieReview.com. And we are the children of the 80s. Children of the 80s are back because we love to see you smile. We're here for another one of our reviews of one of our childhood favorites. I'm Patrick. I'm Bobby. I'm Lori. And I'm Matt. And this week we're reviewing 1989's Parenthood with Steve Martin, Rick Moranis, and a host of other people. But before we get started reviewing this little film, first a word from our sponsor. Hey kids, looking for a good time? Well, sneak into your room with Buckman's Bag of Porno. <laughs> Buckman's Bag of Porno contains everything a 12-year-old kid needs to chase those family blues away. Call now, and we'll have a totally not creepy older guy drop a paper sack outside your window. Your VH tips. Your VH. Now I got to regain exposure. <clears throat> your VHS tapes will be safely hid in PG-rated covers. Back to the Future. Raiders of the Lost Ark? No sweat. Your mom will never know. Buckman's bag of porno. Order now, and we'll send our loser brother-in-law to explain your feelings to you. <laughs> oh. Matt, did you write that? <laughs> I am so disappointed. His wife wrote it. <laughs> oh, that... Yeah. Oh. His 12-year-old helped him a little bit. <laughs> okay, no more GG jokes, Okay. <laughs> No one brought up Gigi. No one brought up Gigi. You brought it up. I'm just saying, how can you make a commercial like that? And <laughs> okay, yes, it was my bad. I take, I take it back. I yeah. never said it. By no stretch of the imagination. Yes, I do not equate Gigi to porno. I equate, I equate it to child pedophilia. That's what I. That's what I equate it to. Not porno. Child. Uh, by porn, the way, maybe I watched a life like story on Turner Classic Movies about Leslie Crone and she explained Gigi it was actually her idea to make the film you guys got it so wrong <laughs> I'm just saying okay <laughs> you can explain to me why she wanted to make the film there's an untapped mark out there gentlemen I know we can make this film there's a whole bunch no, of men out there who are saying nothing to do with that it's just your perverted mind <laughs> Uh, what episode was Gigi? This is like been going on for three years now. Four years, because it was like one of the first it ten was one episodes. Of our first, I mean. uh, Bobby, have you even heard the Gigi, Gigi episode? No, but I've got to go back and find oh, it yeah, now. Yeah. Obviously, oh, Lori holds things forever. Obviously, no, they bring it up like all the time. <laughs> It wasn't that the one that had Ben Affleck and Jennifer Lopez. No, that, yeah. <laughs> that that was bad for a whole different reason. <laughs> that's one of their jokes. That's oh, <laughs> no! Wow. That what was that called? Gig Geely. Geely. And no, oh. this is a a Best Picture winner. I can't remember yeah. what year was it. 
was it nineteen? It was nineteen fifty something. Yeah, I think it was Best Picture by the Nambla Association at the time. I don't remember. But. It was Patrick, <laughs> if you were in this room, I would slap you. Just so you know. All right, That's let's why get, we do it. But. Let's get going with this week's <laughs> film, a good wholesome family entertainment. 1989's Parenthood. Who's got the summary? Me. All right, Bobby. Let's hear all it. All right. Make sure it's G rated. Apparently, when we go adult humor, Lori gets uh, all of offended. I'm slightly embarrassed here, Lori. Forgive me. So I'm blushing as I'm speaking. So right. just so you know, and Bobby can't be as bad as these guys. That <laughs> was a mild PG thirteen. <laughs> All right, and, and Bobby likes to do right. voices during his summary. So not this one. I understand tonight, you're doing but next week. I promise a wild and crazy guy by Steve Martin. You're not going to do the entire summary. No, in that sorry, I don't quite. I don't have the the arrow in the head. So you got to forgive me for this one. But all right, so Parenthood, that Ron Howard directed masterpiece filled with SCTV and SNL comedians who aren't as funny as they are thought provoking and filled to the brim with tiny child actors stealing scenes from some of the best actors of the 80s and 90s. We are introduced to the entire dysfunctional family led by shitty father extraordinaire Jason Robards. First, we have eldest son Gil, played by Steve Martin, being, well, Steve Martin, a loving, excellent father who wants to be everything to his wife and children that his own shitty father wasn't, a stand-up comedian with a heart. With beloved wife Mary Steenburgen caring for their three not-so-perfect children at a home straight out of Hollywood casting of the lifestyles of the rich and father of the bride, we are sure to see family heartache done to humorous familial effect. Next, the eldest daughter, Helen, played by lovely Diane Wiest, who's a doormat fresh off divorcing a non-existent jerk of a dentist we never see. She's trying to make sense of her uber-intelligent teenage daughter's dumbass choice of a boyfriend. She's also trying to connect with her decidedly bizarre Joaquin Phoenix-styled loner son, played by a kid that looks a lot like Joaquin Phoenix, but the ever-present wrinkled grocery bag does all the acting. The third adult child, daughter Susan, played by nobody memorable anymore, is married to Rick Moranis, <laughs> the most interesting character in this marriage. He spends every waking moment teaching their charming three-year-old abstract algebra, Latin, and everything Einstein tried to figure out before he died while mom eats pre-opened hostess cupcakes out of a shoebox. Then there's the youngest, a still-drugged-out Amadeus, playing Larry the Shyster and favorite son of shitty father Jason Robards. On Thanksgiving, as a surprise for the disapproving older siblings, Larry arrives with massive gambling debts, empty pockets, and, oh yeah, an illegitimate son of a murderous ex-girlfriend who skipped the country. Gil is forever trying to outdo his own shitty father's failings by overstimulating, overachieving, and overloving all three of his children. He'd realize how phenomenal of a father he is if he'd stop being the wild and crazy guy for a moment and realize they just need dad sometimes. Gil and his wife are told their eldest son may need special education due to Mary Steenburgen's smoking grass while the child was in her womb. Gil's boss gives the company partnership to a weasel who couldn't care less about his family, and a stripper shows up to his son's ninth birthday party. So what's a father to do? Well, become Cowboy Gil, of course. Armed with a miniature cowboy hat, mutilated carpet chaps, squirting six guns, and balloon intestines, no rootin' tootin' birthday blues are going to get his son down. Besides, even in stressful times, Mary Steenburgen is always there to give him he help relieve the stress <laughs> by driving the family van into a guardrail. 
Helen never looks in the mirror, but if she did, she'd realize her incredibly unattractive but articulate daughter, Julie, is just lashing out at an overprotective mother by dating the biggest loser she can find that isn't a battery-operated pleasuring device. What they both don't realize is this is Ted Theodore Logan that our entire species worships in the distant future, not some loser. His best Keanu Reeves impersonation underlies an incredibly soulful son-in-law to be that is both worldwide philosopher and cool race car driver with a bad haircut. Son Gary is just wasted space that needs a father figure, more triple X rated movies, and a new paper grocery bag. Susan has decided that the only way she can get her husband and her life back is by stabbing her innocent diaphragm to death so she can have another kid because that's all the world needs is another miniature asshole genius with no social skills. Her uptight husband finds out and tells her one kid is all they need so the baby can take home the Nobel Prize next year. Susan decides divorce is a better solution than having a hole in her contraceptive device anyway. Larry schemes and schmoozes his shitty father enough to leave his sweet, neglected son cool with his shitty grandparent parents. But after failed attempts at negotiating his gambling debts down and showing off his professional stuntman-like dismounts from a moving car to his unforgiving debt holders, Larry negotiates with his shitty father a couple thousand dollars and skips town to a permanent, all-expenses-paid excursion to a Chile death sentence. Shitty father Jason Robards realizes the error of his shitty fathering ways and decides he's chosen the wrong shitty kid to put his faith in. In the end, we realize that family is all that matters, except in money in Larry's case. Babies, baseball, and birthday parties with Shetland pony poop are all that's needed to make us realize that for every merry-go-round shitty parent, there's a roller coasting, riding, wild and crazy parent waiting to cheer on his head-butting toddler while the child selfishly tears down an entire elementary school play in front of a bunch of angry asshole parents who didn't want to watch their own kid do a once-in-a-lifetime activity anyway. And he can laugh about it, since the movie isn't about them anyway. Welcome to Parenthood. The end. <laughs> well, it is appropriate that this summary had the most mentions of poop. <laughs> How was that appropriate? <laughs> okay. All right. Got you there. All right. Parenthood released on August 2nd, 1989, the same month as Sylvester Stallone's lockup. Young Einstein, which is unfortunate we don't have Shane here tonight since it is an Australian export, Sex Lies and Videotape, The Abyss, and another family film, Uncle Buck. Grossed at the time uh, just under $100 million, was actually theatrically re-released about a year and a half later so that it would just climb up over $100 million. Ended up, its theatrical gross is over $100 million in the U.S., uh, over 126 million worldwide. It was the ninth highest-grossing film of 1989, right behind Back to the Future Part Two, Ghostbusters Part Two, and Driving Miss Daisy, right in front of When Harry Met Sally, The War of the Roses, and The Little Mermaid. Uh, it was adapted into a television series twice: once in 1990 and once in 2010. 2010 was actually a success. Nominated for two Academy Awards. Did you know that, Laurie? I didn't. All right. Diane Weiss was nominated for Best Supporting Actress. She lost to Brenda Fricker for My Left Foot. And Randy Newman was uh, nominated for the song I Love to See You Smile, which lost to Under the Sea uh, in The Little Mermaid. Uh, Rotten that was tough competition. Yeah, it was, actually. Rotten Tomatoes is, has it 93% critics and 75% audience. So that is the background information on Parenthood. So let's start off with the obvious. Who saw this contemporaneously in 1989? Bobby. Yes. 
Uh, initial saw, in, <laughs> initial impressions. I, I saw it in the theater when it came out, and uh, um, to a lot of uh, fanfare with the group of comedians and uh, stars that were in it. I mean, you've got was it three or two or three Oscar winners in it, and I believe they'd they'd won their Oscars prior to that were uh, three of them, I guess. And you know, it, it was quite quite impressive to have people know about this movie when it came out. I'm trying to think. Okay, Robards had won. Steenberg had won. Yep. Diane Weiss won for uh, uh, Hannah and Sisters, right? Did she win for Hannah and Sisters? I thought she won for uh, Broad, uh, the Woody Allen film a couple of years. God, I'm blanking. Oh, was that? Uh, I don't know. Something on Broadway. <laughs> Bullets on Broadway or something like that. I thought that's what she won it for finally. Okay. She may have been nominated, but I don't know if she won for Hannah. Oh, okay. I don't know. Who gotcha. knows? So, but maybe you're right. <laughs> Lori. In fact, Lori, I probably remember seeing you coming into the theater to see this film because I worked in the theater when this came out. That's right. You're right. It was Bullets Over Broadway. Was was that what she won? I know she won for that one, but did she? But that was in 94. Was it after? Yeah. Yeah. But Um, it it goes to tell you who's in the movie, though. Yeah. You've got some very very quality. Yeah. Yeah. And Mary Steenburgen won an Oscar. Yeah, that's what we said. Oh, you said it. Sorry. Right. <laughs> I was looking this up. <laughs> She's still thinking about Gigi. And she did win. Um, she did win for Hannah and her sisters. Oh, so she won twice. In 86. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. I didn't know she was a, a dual award winner. She Well, she's good. She is so good in this. She's fantastic. Um, I did see this. I believe I saw this twice in theaters. I liked it so much. And this movie has really stuck with me. There's certain things that I remember from it, and as a parent, certain things, you know, when I was puked on, I thought of this movie. Um, I told you I apologize. I didn't mean to do that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I had one kid that, well, shall go nameless, that would turn away at the last second when they were going to puke and always puke on me. But... um, (laughs) I, I think of this I always remember the roller coaster scene um, and just the you know life's up and ups and downs there's just so many things I, I remember about this movie it just really struck a chord with me and I, I honestly um, think it affected my parenting it made me want to be a better parent <laughs> Matt I, I, you were probably a really rambunctious uh, seven year old uh, first kid was probably coming pretty soon after that when this came this film came out <laughs> Yeah, I was seven years old when this movie came out. This is the first time I saw it. Are you kidding me? You'd never seen this one before? No. Oh, wow. Well, Had you seen the TV show? No, I didn't even realize this was Ron Howard until until the opening credits. I did not remember it was Ron Howard either, actually. this Was this Ron Howard's last comedy? Because I don't think he does another comedy after this. I think after this, he turns serious because... I think Backdraft is his next film after this, then yeah. Far and Away, and then The Paper and Apollo 13. Oh, that Apollo 13 wasn't a comedy? No. <laughs> a Beautiful Mind was. It was hilarious. It just, just so you know. Let's see. I'm going to IMDb. I want to settle this. <clears throat> According to this, Apollo 13 was a comedy. <laughs> I, I, too, saw this in the theater. The, I worked in the movie theater uh, that Lori and I, or Lori came in all the time with her then-boyfriend, now-husband. Uh, and this came out, you know, came out on a Friday. It was kind of a nothing film. You know, the, the preview would made it look a little cute. That's the best way I could describe it. 
I remember Friday night, like I got off at 10 o'clock. The show was starting at like 10. The theater was partially empty, even though we weren't supposed to hang out. I was just like, ah, I'm just going to go in and watch a few minutes of this and ended up watching the entire movie that night and just was enthralled with it. Took my parents to go see it on Sunday. I liked it that much at the time, and it really had an impact on me. And like Lori, I do think it has affected how I parent children and how or how I approach at least parenthood and the fact that I, you know, I'm very cognizant of like how uh, what you can do as far as the kids. I don't want to be <laughs> I don't want to be like the Diane Weiss type of character, but I also don't want to be the, uh, you know, the Rick Moranis <laughs> type of dad in any way, shape or form. So Patrick, you left out one of my favorite Christmas movies, How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Ron Howard. Oh, that's right. He did direct that. Oh, is that really one of your favorite Christmas movies? Yeah, I know. We watch it every year. Kids love it. Us too. Oh, Us too. It's my daughter's favorite Christmas movie. Are you kidding me? I think that's like a uh-huh. torture film. That's right up there with Hostel. Like, <laughs> what, what he does is just so, like, eating glass and stuff like that. It just, like, really bothers me every time I watch it. It's up there with Hostel? Really? <laughs> just, it's, it's not just, that bad. <laughs> it's... It's pretty bad. I like it's just it takes and I'm not a big fan of the Grinch story to start with. So it's like it's not my favorite. Rudolph's up there, you know, Christmas Vacation, Love Actually. Those are the types of things I like to watch. But the even the animated Grinch is not one of my particular favorites. But it's uh, my wife had the Grinch on or I'm sorry, excuse me. my, My daughter had the Grinch on last night. She walked out of her room and it was the soundtrack was blaring in the background. How sweet. (laughs) <laughs> just just saying That's cute. it also the, unfortunately that was probably closer to affecting my parenthood uh, my parenting style than <laughs> parenthood <laughs> <laughs> my kids have eaten glass so you know <laughs> did you put horns on the dog <laughs> yeah pretty much yeah we have we have called the the dog it, it's it's all it's all him so yeah we we're in we aren't the greatest parents, but uh, <laughs> hopefully, we're, hopefully we aren't quite on the Rick Moranis level either. But nobody's perfect. <laughs> All right. Well, this, I mean, Lori and I have kind of touched on this, and this was one of the things I knew. Lori and Matt had kids, and Bobby, I, you hadn't been on the show that long, so I wasn't sure uh, that you had children. But you have children, and seeing this in 1989, I'm assuming you did not have kids at that time. Correct. Uh, actually, I'm I'm older than all of you guys. But uh, my, I was working I at a video know. store when this came out on video, and I have a 20-year-old daughter and an 18-year-old son now. And you're correct. I didn't. We we didn't have kids. Uh, I didn't know my wife actually when I saw this movie, and it was interesting watching this movie again because I've seen this over the the multiple decades, multiple times each, and so. And what I noticed is that from the first time I saw it in the theater to this last week when I watched it again, how my view of of the parents as well as the scenes, how that has changed so much over the years, the more the longer I'm a parent and seeing these things from from single man to near grandparent age level, it, it's it's a very that's why I was so I said in my summary is it's not as much a comedy as it's just it it's thought provoking it's it's a much more it has a lot more to say than just a comedy and the characters are so realistic very yeah i mean they're flawed and and none of and they're not black and white they're so dimensional i mean i, I even could feel empathy for 
Tom Hulse's character. I can't think of his name. What was um, Larry. the youngest? Larry. Larry. Thank you. I even had empathy for him because, you know, they kind of showed how his father kind of encouraged him. You got to go big. You got to, you know, you don't want to be like Gil. You want to be mediocre. And, and so you could see he had this pressure on him and, I mean, he was still a jerk. I'm not saying that that he. I'm not defending him, but I'm just saying that the characters were were so layered and so interesting. There was just, as Bobby said, there was just so much being said. It, it was. It was. It's an amazing movie, and I have considered putting it in my top 100. Oh, so I don't I'd know like if I have room, but again. <laughs> when I made my list, it was in my top 100. Well, it, it's interesting you say that because Jason Robards is set up as kind of the asshole character throughout the entire film, but I think he has one of the most poignant and pretty one of the most the best scenes in the film when he's talking to Gil at the baseball park, and he sit there saying trying to seek his advice from Gil of what he should do for Larry is whether he should give him the money or not, and he has uh, and, you know I think at the time even when I saw this. At the age of 17, the the idea that, you know, he says, you know, I'm 60 something. My son, you know, Larry's 27, but he's still my son. And, you know, and and he kind of laughs. They played off his joke. He's like, ah, I'll figure it out and kind of walks away. You think too much. Yeah. You you, you know, well, he says that to Gil when Gil says, yeah. you know, who's, who's really a shitty father. But. I mean, it's a pretty poignant scene is that, you know, he you see him literally work through the problem and that and he explains kind of a, a, a lot of the thought processes that being a parent is sometimes, you know, it's very painful. And that he that explanation of how, uh, you know, he was so angry at Gil when Gil was a child or as a baby because he thought he had polio. And he and he says, I hated you for that. I hated you, hated, essentially hating you for making me feel like that. The idea of being that helpless and being not able to do something because you love something so much. And that, you know, that same kind of helplessness that he has towards Larry that, you know, what am I going to do? I He really doesn't have a choice that he's got to do what he can to save Larry, even though Larry will not save himself. You gave me chills when you said that. Okay. Well, what I saw, uh, okay. I, I I totally agree with what Patrick was just saying about uh, the the parenting thing because I was noticing, like Lori said, is I, I see I see real people in each of these characters and the way they were coming across in the actors' movements and their their facial expressions because just to go on uh, on top of what you said Patrick when he was talking to Steve Martin about being a shitty father the very next scene you see Jason Robarts who by the way took the role of being a jerk you know when everybody really cared for Jason Robarts but he's he's this jerk father and when he sits down with Larry for the last time when they're talking about negotiating how to make him, get him to be a normal human being when you see Jason Robarts character basically say i'm giving you this chance to make a clean you know clean slate of your life let's start again and you know let's do this together to larry turning into unsavable to dad who's giving up on his son i mean you could see the pain in the actor without even act i mean he said nothing he just sat there and you could feel his pain and i said and i was thinking of people that i know that go through that as parents all the time with with their kids or their grandkids and you see that and how real all of these emotions were in the movie. Matt, did you get any of this the first time you saw it? 
first time I saw it was yesterday, so I, I think so. But I, I thought it was really good. You know, my mom would always tell us a story. Well, not always, but she told us this when we were adults. And, and, and you know, we love our mom and close to her. But she would always say we she'd go through these periods where she just didn't like us. You know, she's like, oh, man, I got sick and tired of you guys. And, you know, you get to be about a certain age, and I didn't like you anymore. And then I liked you again, and then you'd grow up a little more, and I wouldn't like you again. And so, you know, I thought that, that part was funny about, man, you got polio, and I hated you for it. It was just funny because, I mean, my own parents would always talk about, man, you guys are two years old. and just don't like you, <laughs> you know, and, 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 and it's fine. It's part of it. Where I was going, uh, and we got off on a tangent, was to kind of say, and, and and Bobby kind of touched on it, the different perspective it is as adults. I haven't probably watched this since I had kids, and I only have a seven-year-old. I may have seen it once since then, but the perspective I have, like even the opening sequence of him just trying to get all the kids into the car, and they're driving, and his son is singing the diarrhea song, and the expressions on their face. I didn't think that was that funny in 1989. I think it's fucking hilarious now because that's literally like my experiences with, with my seven-year-old. And That's my life right now. <laughs> that's my life. How old are your kids, Matt? I, I have four little kids, so they're, they're nine to baby. You know, most of, most of my wife and I's life together is just keeping our heads above water. Uh, Lori, did you, I mean, you kind of touched on it that it affected your parenting, but do you see it from a completely different perspective now, now being a parent? Absolutely. And I also see it from a realistic perspective, too. I think when I watched that, I thought, I'm never going to do that. I'm never going <laughs> to. But then you, but then you live and you realize the mistakes you make and, and you're tired and frustrated and and you get angry you know what i mean like like the the whole steve martin scene when he said mean things to his wife which time i think <laughs> uh, yeah I, you know what honestly i think that's why when i get really angry i keep my mouth shut <laughs> because um i realize you can't take those words back and i think i learned that from this movie which is cr- i mean other life experiences obviously but but that's another thing that's really stuck out to me was the, he said horrible things and 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 so did um Rick Moranis and and his wife and you can't take those words back so th- th- i i forgot how much of an impact this movie had on me when was the last time you think you saw it it's probably been a couple of years. If it's on TV and I'm free, I'll watch it because I love it. But it's it's been a it's been a while. But absolutely, I have a completely different perspective. And like you said, I think that the car scene, you know, loading the car and and stuff is is hilarious. And the birthday parties and and the baseball game, even you know, it's 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 excruciating when your kid's up to bat and they're missing. It's, you know, it's like, what do you say? You want to encourage them? But then at the same time, I mean, this movie is so, it's life. It's real. Well, and I think that's the part that that we don't realize that when this movie was 
written Ron Howard and Brian Grazer and, and uh, Babalu Mandel and so on, when they were putting this together, they were a lot of these scenes or most of these scenes were based on real life events that happened to them. And I think that's the part that because it was a real event and we can all kind of associate ourselves in whether we've done it or whether we can see others do it. I think that's how this movie comes across today as being it's still a timeless scenario because we all go through this to this day the same things even though it was 1989 uh, we still see the same act the same actions in everyday life right now all right i'm going to bring up a criticism of one of our fellow children of the 80s i was talking with jason last week that we were going to be reviewing this film and Jason said, oh, parenthood. Yeah, okay. All right. And I was like, wow. You know, like I've never met a person who didn't at least go, oh, that's a good movie. I mean, he was like, eh. And his response was, yeah, it's a little heavy handed. It's, I mean, you, you're kind of slapping you in the face with the message throughout the entire film. And I was very taken back by that. I will point out, Jason does not have kids. <laughs> it's never had kids. Doesn't ever I want. I was going to ask that. <laughs> Doesn't want to ever have kids. But I don't know if that's a fair criticism because in 1989, I didn't have kids. Didn't have kids anywhere in my horizon. And I loved this film. I absolutely loved this film. And it, it just, it, it spoke to me just the idea of, of being a parent and and from that perspective as i said i took my parents i took my parents out to see the film two days later because i enjoyed it so much and i know my mom liked it and i have no idea if my dad liked it because he didn't talk very much but you know that's beside the point that's just who he was but you know it was just that you know i thought it was interesting to i I was kind of curious to see what their reaction to to it was at the time and my mom said that there was a lot of you know she said i i liked it because you know that it does kind of capture being a parent uh, very well in its time, and I, and I thought I, my parents were pretty good parents. They <laughs> think the idea of them struggling like these characters struggle, and how I struggle now just raising two kids, not alone, let alone Lori's three or Matt's four. Um, how I don't even know how many Bobby has. Oh my god, like probably a dozen by now. But <laughs> two started. that I know of. So and I know. <laughs> I didn't have them, so hey, they're the two that I know of. Well, so what do you? But what do you think of that? Is saying it's heavy-handed in its message. Well, Jason just doesn't know how horrible kids are. <laughs> no, Jason doesn't know how painful it is to love someone so much and and have all those emotions and stuff. I don't think it's heavy-handed. I think it's real. Well, I think it's the the title of the movie. It's parenthood, and I think that it has a lot to do – you think about the – and we talked about layers in this movie. You have several different generations in the movie, and everyone can pretty much uh, associate with one or the other generation, but they have different levels of parenting style, and, and you've got a single divorced mom. You have a very well-adjusted family. You have a kind of a loser dad that has a kid thrown on him at the last second. I mean you've got all these different dynamics, and I find that to be um, where we can – see it from a parenting standpoint if you have children. I, I read something very interesting um, about this 
movie was Helen Mirren, the actress, who has never she's chosen not to have children all the way up until you know obviously she's she's much older now, to where she can't have children. She watched this movie and after she was done watching it, she cried for twenty minutes that she never would have experienced. She she'll never experience the uh, the beauty of being a parent, and I, I find that even more powerful to me. I read that on IMDb too. Is it on IMDb? Yeah. Yeah, and that that really moved me too because because it is it, it is a beautiful thing, but it's the hardest job in the world. It's the most rewarding, but it's the hardest. And I really related to Gil and and Carrie just wanting to, wanting to have well-adjusted kids and and giving them as much attention as they could and then their son still had insecurities and you know he's he still had had problems so it's it's like no matter what we do it's it's life there's going to be problems you know I, I i can remember before i had kids and i'd see a kid throwing a, a temper tantrum in a store or something like my kids are never going to do that but you learn quickly yeah they are <laughs> you have no control over them <laughs> All right. Um, I I have an important question. It was one of the last ones I was going to ask. I'm going to start with Lori on this one because this is, this is essentially what this podcast is all about. Lori, uh, Hartley Jane Kozak, was she 80s hot? <laughs> yeah, she was very pretty. Uh, what happened to her? Because I liked her. Wasn't she in like arachnophobia? She's arachnophobia. And, um, was she in um, honey, The Favor? Uh, necessary roughness. Oh yeah, I remember necessary roughness. I I liked her, but there was another actress that I would always confuse her with—the one from Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. That's you know that's funny. When we were watching, I was watching it with my wife, and she she said, "Isn't that the actress? That, didn't she do that movie with uh, Rick Moranis, uh, the, the other one?" <laughs> and I'm like, "Which one?" And she's like, uh, "The one where he shrinks the kids." I'm like, "Honey, I Shrunk the Kids." I was like, "No, that's." That's not. It says she's also in uh, When Harry Met Sally. I don't remember her in that. I don't either. Didn't they shrink everyone in Ghostbusters, or was the Marshmallow Man really that big? He was really that <laughs> he was big. That big. <laughs> Apparently, she's still acting. She has the uh, IMDb credits up to two, 2015. Two of them, and I spit on your grave. Vengeance is mine. For some reason, I'm. I don't think she's getting the high-profile parts the way she used to. But uh, I liked her a lot. I I think she was very pretty. That was more of a joke. I wasn't trying, but yeah, she was. Oh, <laughs> and so was Mary Steen. So is Mary Steenburgen. and she's aged very well. She yeah. has the prettiest smile, I have to say, for she for is. any generation. She has one of the prettiest natural smiles ever. And I, I somebody wrote. Did I read that also on IMDb that they wrote this? Randy, uh, Newman. Randy Newman wrote the story or the song about mm-hmm. her smile. Mm-hmm. Oh wow! I did not see that one. All right, it's an ensemble cast, and is who stands out to you in the the film, uh, Matt? Is somebody that you really, the character you really liked, or the acting performance you really liked? Uh, I would go with Diane Weist. I thought uh, her character was the most, um, you know, the most interesting to me. The way she had those types of problems to deal with, and the way she dealt with them. I really like Steve Martin's character, Gil. And I, and I imagine it's it's relatable for a lot of guys, but he you know he just he he chews some scenery. They really played that cowboy thing too long. I don't know. I feel like there was just too much Steve Martin doing his thing in this movie, and I think they could have cut that that back a little and toned it back. So Diane Weist, I thought, 
you know really really did that character well and the character gave you know it it, uh, it was a, go- a good hard look at things a lot of parents go through was cowboy kill a little too close to home <laughs> I don't even know how to make balloon animals <laughs> <laughs> alright Lori who did you like I agree with Matt I, I'd go with Diane Weist I'm not sure how to say her last name I really related to that character, especially the scene where she's like, if you leave this house, don't ever come back. Not that I ever said that to one of my kids, but then she's like, call if you need anything. <laughs> I've just done that where I've been so angry and I'm like, you're not going to to this tonight. And then afterwards, I'm like, I can't tell her she can't go to that. You know what I mean? Oh, I didn't mean to use a pronoun. Um <laughs> <laughs> yeah, since you have two boys and one girl, I can't imagine who you're referring to. But <laughs> yeah, um, just you know, just in anger, saying something, and realizing that I can't, I can't do that punishment. And you know, that was one thing Mike and I were real big on is you stick with your word. And and so I'd have to go. I apologize. I was angry, and I just really related to to her character. And then the you know when she everything's falling apart. Hi, Gary. <laughs> just. It's just such an amazing character. She was just doing the best she could. But I want to give honorable mention to Keanu Reeves. <laughs> because <laughs> I do. I love that character. I love that character. And I've loved him because of this film. I have watched his career and loved him. I know you've... I know we've talked about that before. But I just... I think he's really good at picking parts. And... Yeah, if he could only character. be as good as a- in acting in them as he is at picking them, he would be. <laughs> he is good I liked his character people. better in the prequel, Bill and Ted. <laughs> <laughs> I did like his character in that, but I, you know, the scene when he he talks about you know his dad flicking the cigarette and that just works. That was an emotional scene. I I love him in this film. Bobby. I agree with everything that Lori just said, Matt, too. Uh, Diane Weist is – she deserved the Oscar nomination, and honestly, I don't even know who the actress was that beat her because she deserved the Oscar. I thought her character was the most real character written into the screenplay. You've got a lot of wonderful family dynamics elsewhere, but she, her character was a real human being playing that role. And especially the part where she's trying to balance between the two kids. One is very outgoing and very outspoken and very opinionated. And then you've got another kid that literally is milk toast in out in the middle of nowhere. He just disappears. And she's trying to balance that plus n- not being loved by anybody else and I mean she's a lonely character and she's making the best of her world and I just I find her truly compelling and and like Lori said I thought Keanu Reeves I'm Keanu is a he's kind of a hit and miss with me and I thought this character was him I thought this was as close to perfect casting as they could possibly have done so I I really like those two and then the last one I would say was Mary Steenburgen. I thought she played the mother of that very difficult family. I mean, they're wonderful children, obviously, but they were all three really strange kids. And she had a smile on her face all the time. She she took it and she did the best with what she could. She had a husband that was kind of coming apart at the seams on occasion. And she, I thought she was really somebody I was cheering for throughout the whole movie. And I so – yeah, I thought those were the three standouts to me, but plus others, but they were the main standouts. 
Wait, can we go back a second? They were strange kids. <laughs> well, they're very normal kids, but they were so <laughs> odd. I mean, if you th- <laughs> I'm just kidding. All right, uh, I. There's not a weak person in the cast, and I'll even put Keanu in that. Is but I will stress that Keanu is playing what I expect in a Keanu role, especially at this point in his career. I mean, he was. This is sandwiched right in between Bill and Ted One and Bill and Ted Two, so it's there's there's not much else going on for him at this point other than playing these types of roles, which is why I probably always think of him in these types of roles because after Bill and Ted Two, he goes and he he plays a much more adult oriented roles and less of the uh, lovable loser like he does in this film but he does do a good job in the film i i, I just it's is uh, it, as bobby kind of said he's he's this is what i tend to think of him as he's playing himself in in this role and i don't even know if he's like that it's just how i always envision him i, I like he's probably the, like alice cooper in wayne's world he talks real intellectually <laughs> and has no valley accent yeah i'm sure he does you know i've known people who've actually met him and they said he's actually pretty intelligent so i don't i I don't i I don't hold that against him i just hold it against him that he just can't act himself out of a paper bag uh, most of the time and he ruins certain films but he always seems to pick good casts good films to do he doesn't do a lot of crappy films but I you know I like Diane Weist. I agree. I think she she was very deserving of the Oscar nomination. I love the character of Steve Martin because it's probably the uh, the access point for me is the uh, a father now and as as a chi- you know as a child back then. I, what but does bother me kind of what Matt said is the Steve Martin Steve Martin Martining it up a little bit in the film is that I don't think this film needed it. His dancing after his son catches the ball and rolling around on the ground is a little over the top. The cowboy gill is a little over the top. I think it was necessary, but I think they carried it on a little too long. And then the dream sequence one just kind of bothers me where, you know, he, the his son is graduating college and saying how he's all screwed up. And then he's firing shots from the bell tower. And I, I was just like that. Now, as watching the film goes, I, you, I didn't really need that scene. You know, it didn't it has a different significance. <laughs> It in does. 2017 than it did in 1989. Yeah, well, that's true. Because I feel my son is going to be firing shots from the bell tower this <laughs> on Sundays. But, but don't you have those dreams though, where uh, even with your children as, as small as they are, don't you still have those moments where you go, "Oh my goodness, he's going to become or she's going to become, you know, the next Supreme Court justice or something along those lines." I mean, wouldn't that be just don't don't you still have those dreams? And I think they were just using that as one way for him an extreme for us to understand where he's where he's looking I for agree, his child. Bobby. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, you know, he you, you you do, but it just seems it stops the film for a second and takes me out of that True. suspension of disbelief for this let's like pause for a moment. And they don't I mean they they bookend it with why he thinks it one way at one moment and why he thinks it in, in another way in another moment and it, it makes a lot of sense of what they're doing. It just is like ah, I didn't really need that for this particular film. I would have been fine without it. I disagree. It was more powerful than him just saying, oh, great, now he's going to be a mass murderer because I, <laughs> I did this. I think it makes it more powerful. And it, and it was kind of a, a fantasy. 
Well, and you also have the the part that I thought was interesting, besides the fact that, you know, we hate to see bad things happen to our children, you know, where they would become something horrible, but was when he graduated college and how my dad is the only reason I became what I became and, you know, glorify dad. And as a parent, you think about those moments where you're like, what if my kid ever does become Supreme Court justice, you know, or what, you know, I'm the unsung hero of my child's life and they're going to forget about me. And I think that that's part of – but again, it was just a scene, but it was something that I, I could see myself having those views every once in a great while about my own kids. That reminds me of that Lucas Graham song, when I was seven years old. Go ahead and keep singing. No, go, Lord. Go. Sing it. I'm going to see. Sing it. I, it, went, it reminded me of that. That's a good song. I don't know that song, Lori. Can you sing it for us? Yeah. Oh, once more, Lori. Uh, it's right there on the top of my tongue. I just can't figure it. Thank heaven for little girls. You are so lucky we are not in the same room. <laughs> All right. Uh, this film inspired two television series. Uh, obviously, the 2010, which was most recently on, was a bigger success, went on for six seasons. Uh, I watched the first two or three episodes and went, wow, there is really no comedy to this show at all. This is pretty, I mean, pretty serious oriented. So I don't, it's, it appears to me it, it just took the title and went in its own direction. But the 1990 series, was it Bobby? Were you the one who sent out the text when we were saying we we're going to do parenthood? I, I, I was the one that followed up with it. Somebody else sent it out, so. but yeah, it was where we were talking about Leonardo. Yes. And the, the group. Yeah. DiCaprio was in, the original 1990 television series. Do you ever remember that, Lori? I don't. I remember him on Growing Pains. No, that that came later. That came after Parenthood. He plays Gary. No, really? <laughs> he plays Gary in the in the show. And oh, I would I would love to see that. Win a one season, which I don't, twelve episodes. 12, yeah, twelve episodes before it was canceled. Didn't had Ed, Ed Begley Jr. and I can't remember who else. The same, the little boy was in it. I think the 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 younger kids were all still in it from the film, but I think they recast everybody else. Huh? Somebody's out there right now searching on uh, Amazon looking for the original first season of Parenthood <laughs> from 1990 to complete their massive DiCaprio fan collections. I think DiCaprio bought up all the episodes of it, so you can't buy it any longer. <laughs> Sitting on his he shelf right next, yeah. Yeah, to, next to George Lucas's Star Wars holiday special. So. <laughs> Have you guys ever done any of these scenes in your real life? Have you ever experienced any of this? Well, yeah, that scene about him getting his kids home from the ball game I experience three times a week <laughs> <laughs> except it's just getting them home from school or daycare or whatever I know it's it, it's anywhere we go when we leave the house my <laughs> wife has been joking how many times over our Amazon Prime subscription has paid for itself because she doesn't want to she doesn't want to buy things at a store that's true because it's that every time <laughs> That's true. That There's truth to that, that my wife is very much the same way. If we can order it, and it's usually cheaper on Amazon Prime, so like a little hooked for them. But, uh, yeah, just so we don't have to go out, they can bring it to us in a couple of days. Anything you've Before done? Before Amazon Prime, I would go shopping at midnight so I didn't have to take kids to the grocery store. Because <laughs> <laughs> you can't focus, and then they want stuff, and yeah. It's like food. <laughs> <laughs> They're so demanding. <laughs> Mommy, I'm hungry. I don't care. 
<laughs> Mommy needs her special juice. It comes in a six pack. <laughs> six pack. <laughs> Uh, but but like I said, I've been thrown up on. There's so much in this that that I related to. There was some stuff I didn't relate to, but um, there was so much, especially with the kids. I was talking to a to a friend recently who who made the fantastic point of, you know, when you're dating someone, you you, you never really find out things you really want to know. And one of those things you want to know if you want to have kids is like. How will this person deal with being vomited on? You know, like there, there are things that that turn out to matter that you never. Well, I guess some people. I did go to ASU, so a lot of people did find that out in, when they were dating, but not in the way that you would think. Well, Lori, isn't that one of the reasons that you knew you, you loved Mike when he threw up on you? <laughs> exactly. And I, I guess he went, he tested it out. <laughs> so, yeah. And you Let's guys see how think I. <laughs> <laughs> and you guys think oh, he's I'm... a keeper he's a keeper oh, oh how much i love this man <laughs> as she rings her shirt out it, and it's no it was a prom dress <laughs> <laughs> that went right right up onto ebay right you know, it's funny too because in some ways this movie's pretty tame i mean which, which one of us has never you know walked into the horror scene of a of a bathroom with poop smeared all over it you know and it, and a three-year-old kid standing there going what <laughs> yes three-year-old you're talking about a seven-year-old what what did you do in here i don't know <laughs> like, who did this what is all over the toilet and not in it come on <laughs> You trust me, guys. I have a twenty-year-old, and it doesn't change. So, <laughs> if they're still living at home, you're going to have the same conversations. So, just just letting you know. I, I, um, I, I just keep hoping if I yell at my kids enough, they'll change. <laughs> uh, anything else, guys? Oh, I, well, I, I w- I'm a coach, and uh, I, or I've coached for years and years in, in uh, several sports. But one thing I remember was when I had one of my assistant coaches. I made one of a dad who'd never played sports my assistant baseball coach, and his son hadn't gotten a hit for two years. Literally, had not gotten a hit for two years, and his dad kept having him come out, and you know, you got to try to defeat this, and we're we're going to do this, and so I worked with the kid that year and we really worked hard to get him to to hit the, hit the ball I'm, and I had the dad at first base as a coach and so I'm working with the kid when and he finally got a foul ball in the batting cages uh, during that week of practice and we were like okay we're going to get you a hit in the game and and it, his at bat came and we were working with him through every pitch and okay get your arms this way this way. the kid got the hit and when he ran down to first base and he made it to first base safely his dad picked him up and swung him around and there were ladies in the stands that were crying from that so there are those moments that you saw where Gil you know was experiencing that horrible moment where his son lost the game to that great excitement of his son doing something great and there's there's those moments if you just take a second to look around and and notice those because they're everywhere around us and I think that was the part that I love about this movie is everything about this was real 
I had both experiences as a child as, as playing soccer, a similar experience where we lost to a team like in halfway through the season, and for some miracle we got to play them again in the playoffs, and it went to a shootout, and we won. And I was eight and carried off the field by all the players are carried off the field by parents because it meant so much to the parents that we had won. And, you know, it, it, you know, thinking back, the, those, the people that we were playing against, the, the other kids were kids that I went to junior high and high school with years later, mm-hmm. some of them my best friends. And the, you know, hearing the other side of, like, you know, we were so devastated to watch how your parents acted that way, literally acting like Steve Martin. Um, but also being there, you know, I, same sport, soccer, years later, uh, in high school, and we lost a game that was important, and I took sole responsibility for it because the guy went past me to get the shot, and uh, he just, to dribble around me, just kicked it between my legs because I had them too far apart at that point in time, and I felt devastated. I felt like I let the team down, and it was my parents who came and picked me up and got me got going again, you know, that's... You know that's that that's real life, and I, I don't remember my dad rolling around on the ground on the field, you know, kicking his legs <laughs> in the air. But you know, there was there, there was that aspects of there, and you know, and there's no guide for parents to how to how to handle that, you know, other than this film, as Laurie has described already. This film is a good guidepost of what you should do and what not to do. Parenthood does it stand the test of time? And do we well? Do we think it's a good film? And do we think it stands the test of time, Bobby? Yes, it's a good film. It does stand the test of time. As we were, as we've been saying, there are too many real life experiences that are in the movie that we see every day still to this day. And I think it's a wonderful movie. I think if you've never seen it, I would highly recommend it, especially if you are a parent or a grandparent or a parent to be. But it's a it's a fun movie, well worth your time. And if you're thinking about being a parent, you should probably watch it because it's true. It's all true. All of it's true. <laughs> Lori? Absolutely. It stands the test of time. I love this movie. And I just want to say, actually being a parent is even better than this movie. Yes. This is not the week to bring that topic up to me with my seven year olds. We all have those weeks, Patrick. <laughs> Matt? Yeah, this stands the test of time. This is the first time I've seen it. And it was really good. I think this movie had about as as much to say about parenting as any other movie I've seen. I thought it was really good. Even even I don't do sentimental. I usually hate sentimental movies, and this was sentimental. But uh, I thought it was I thought it was touching. I thought it was really good. The the other movie I always I always say I feel like teaches you a lot about uh, parenting is uh, The Road. The Viggo Mortensen. Oh, uh, Viggo Mortensen. Oh no! Based on the novel, that movie I think has as much to say about fatherhood as as any other movie. But this one was up there, and I, and I thought it was really good. Well, I was thinking Mommy Dearest was up there too, but <laughs> um, I still don't have wire hangers. <laughs> Matt, one something something I forgot to bring to you or talk to you: a, f- a film filled with child actors. You're you are the expert in uh, child actors as we, as we like to refer to at movie house so mm-hmm. what were your thoughts most of them are, are, are bad um, <laughs> Joaquin Phoenix was good and he turned out to be a, a, a I think a, a really good adult actor but even the the chick who married Keanu 
um, she probably wasn't even a child anymore, and she was bad. No, she wasn't and, at that uh, point. And, uh, you know, kids just aren't good actors. They're just not. Most of them. Laurie, a contradicting opinion on that? I thought the kids were great in this movie. And um, I didn't realize that was Allison Porter from Curly Sue. And and then she was on The Voice. Was that last I, season? I don't remember. That's right. Yes. Yeah. So um, I think she was an amazing actor for a child. I, I disagree. With with Matt, but um, I thought the child actors in this were were exceptional. I'll get revenge on Lori for that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've never really liked Joaquin Phoenix when he was young. He was in Space Camp, and I thought he was. It was the only reason he got roles was because of his older brother, and I've, I that was so he was kind of. I know his character was kind of non-existent, but I thought he was kind of non-existent as an actor in this one. But uh, I, I actually like Martha Plimpton. I mean, she she's done some good things, but I think overall, I, I'm kind of in Matt's corner as far as the whole cast of children is. They kind of they, there are times where they're wonderful, and most of the time they're not. Uh, as far as my opinion on the kids, uh, they didn't shit the bed. And I mean that both literally <laughs> and figuratively in this case. But they, they, there's nothing that it took me out of the film because the acting is so bad. Uh, but there was nothing that – it was not one of them that I think stand out. I, I don't count Martha Plimpton as one of the child actors, though. She was an adult by the time this film yeah. was made and uh, was actually dating River Phoenix, if I remember correctly. So that was kind of significant that she was dating River Phoenix and acting as the older sister to her brother in the – in the film so that was a little ironic all right that does it for this week's review of parenthood thanks again for joining us and listening to our little weekly podcast if you've had a good time the fun doesn't have to stop here you can follow us on facebook at lunchtime movie review or on twitter at lunchtime movie on either facebook or twitter you can keep up on our written film reviews news and upcoming films and blu-ray releases and information on upcoming podcasts on the mhn podcast network including movie house memories the golden age of the silver screen and Sunday Seconds with the Duke. And if you've enjoyed yourselves and you download us off either iTunes or Stitcher, make sure to rate our podcast on either one of those two platforms. And if you have a chance, write a short review of the podcast. Of course, we always like the reviews that are positive, but we appreciate any feedback that we can get from any listeners of the show. Well, that does it for this episode of Lunchtime Movie Review. Until next time, I'm Patrick. I'm Bobby. I'm Lori. And I'm Matt. And we got to get out of here right now, and you guys are invited. is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. The theme music for Lunchtime Movie Review, Fireworks, is provided courtesy of Alexander Nakaranda at SerpentsToSoundStudios.com under a Creative Commons Attribution 4.0 license. All original content of this podcast is the intellectual property of the MHM Podcast Network, Lunchtime Movie Review, and Fuzzy Bunny Slippers Entertainment, LLC, unless otherwise noted. 